0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, I compliment Quasi Adolfo Mensa for planting a
0: double agent on the Bears. Luke Inman, Superior Sports Talk. I'm getting my arm ready for our loser punishment after my gambling picks this week.
2: Hey, this is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. I am angry at Kirk for not extending his completion streak.
3: I'm Luke Brown of Locked On Vikings. You guys are not splitting your bets? You guys aren't losing or aren't winning bets?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gambling foibles and another precarious Vikings win all coming up on the Minnesota Football Party.
2: Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. Plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now.
1: Welcome in. It's the Minnesota Football Party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom, Lockdown Sports Minnesota exec producer, host, Vikings Insider, on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, and I'm joined, as usual, by the two Lukes, Luke Inman and Luke Braun. Luke Inman of Superior Sports Talk, Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings and the Lockdown Vikings postcast after every game, and Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. He's at Arif Hassan NFL, so you can chirp at him. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about today. Gentlemen is Kirk clutch. How are we feeling about the Vikings defense? And Lauren Cox joins the show to talk about how his bears he's locked on bears host, how his bears almost tanked their way into a division lead yesterday. Uh, but we begin (laughs) with this. (laughs) Amazon fire and Roku. You can get locked on sports, Minnesota. On the Amazon Fire and Roku apps, get all of our programming. It's a terrific viewing experience. It's Locked On Sports Minnesota from the Ron Johnson Show, Superior Sports Talk, and this, the Minnesota Football Party, Amazon Fire and Roku. Check it out. It is Kirk Clutch, gentlemen, three consecutive game-winning drives, three consecutive fourth-quarter comebacks. The Minnesota Vikings are 4-1. And I'm not sure the conversation changes a lot from the previous two weeks. We're still wondering if the Vikings are for real. We're st- still wondering why they were in a game with a team that's clearly inferior in the Chicago Bears. And yet, Kirk Cousins putting beside all of, all of the first three quarters and coming through in the fourth quarter. I don't know what bizarro world we're living in, Luke Inman, but this new clutch Kirk could be a big development. For the vikings fate this year
0: yeah i mean between the detroit game leading the team down in field goal range in london and now this uh sunday versus the bears three impressive comebacks on the season already in a row on his resume obviously like you mentioned you wish they wouldn't be in those situations every week especially blowing a 18 point lead but it's the nfl what was it last week 15 of 16 games i think were a one possession outcome so I guess that's just life in the league nowadays, but most impressed yesterday, uh, you know, with that comeback, unlike the Detroit game, I think was just a three-play driver in London to set up the field goal. Yesterday, he puts the marching boots on, 17 plays, 75 yards, chews up seven minutes on the clock, three third down conversions alone on that drive, including the scramble on third and five, so he's getting the job done late in games, that's great. And now I think everybody believes it, right? The fan base. You heard the a lot of players in the locker room saying, yeah, we just expect that from Kirk now. Um, and yesterday, it wasn't just the game winner, too, I think, that made him clutch. It was the critical moments outside of that, too. Offense was 12 of 15 on third down. They cashed in on all four red zone trips with uh, four touchdowns. That was huge. That was something that we really, really nitpicked on through the first four games, not punching the ball in once they got down in the red zone. So I think it's those little things, too, that help make up the per- perception that a quarterback is clutch and Kirk did those things really well specifically in yesterday's performance.
1: Areef is Kirk clutch?
0: Yeah. Uh well so he
2: currently leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives with three apiece. Now remember last year the Vikings were in more one-score games than any other team in history excepting one uh which i believe was like something like the 2015 Baltimore Ravens, uh, and still, we only saw three fourth quarter comebacks, four game-winning drives from Kirk Cousins that year, so he is already kind of meeting that with three and three each, uh, and so what would suggest that that he's clutch? Now, my issue with Cousins and his clutchness, the reason I always argue that he wasn't clutch, was not because uh, he... Folded under the situational pressure, right? That he wasn't up to the moment, but rather that he didn't have a level of situational awareness where he knew to throw the ball. He would very often throw the ball over the middle, right? It, you know, and and let the clock drain. He wouldn't manage the clock very well from a quarterback perspective. He would throw the ball away on third and fourth down. That's not happening this year, and we saw the seeds of it actually in training camp. Now, remember, there were two separate years in training camp where he didn't win a single two-minute drill against the opposing defense. This year, he won nearly all of them which tells us that there was something in the way that he's changed his approach to these two-minute situations that makes him quote-unquote clutch and i think that his situational awareness has either improved or the way the plays are designed and the reads progress has changed it such that he doesn't need to improve his situational awareness. The only options available to him are generally pretty good options. So I think it's either one or the other. I think it's actually probably the first as much as, you know, I have a reputation for taking stuff away from Kirk. I think that actually um, the way that he is just playing has uh, increased his level of aggression overall and has led to situations like this. Now, um, obviously, we haven't seen Kirk, you know, um, do extraordinarily well in, pro- in improv situations this year. Um, but I argue that the reason is because we're seeing him do it more in a way that's uncomfortable to him. And he's going to to grow, hopefully, in that respect. But we're already seeing the dividends pay off when it comes to these late game drives. Hopefully, we'll need less of them. They should have put away the Chicago Bears.
1: I would like and to see Kirk in more Arif. improv situations, but from like a comedy standpoint, I would just like to see him try improv. Oh, he would absolutely fumble cool. that. That'd be awful. <laughs>
2: I would. That would be awful. Yeah. What's the deal with be...
0: penalties? Am I right? <laughs> Luke Ron. Why did they just and make the whole point out of the two-minute?
3: <laughs> <laughs> they basically did coming out, but there's a <laughs> lot of tempo. But to that point in this game with like, Like, this kind of, the way that this one played out gave us a pretty clean, like, environment of not actually situational uh, changes that need to be made. You weren't inside two-minute, you didn't have to worry about timeouts or anything going down, except for at the end of the second half. Um, But at the end of the game, they got that drive started with, I think, 9.26 on the clock, and they scored before the two-minute warning. So it was a neutral situation from that aspect. But there was a lot of situational pressure and the drive went very, very well. Um, so if you're looking for proof of like that, of, you know, does he fold under the pressure? Well, no, but yeah, it's it was always more about him throwing over the middle when the clock is ticking um, or problems getting in and out of the huddle. That was a huge thing last year that has improved a lot is the Vikings getting up to the line. And sometimes it's tempo, they get up quickly. But even coming out of huddles, they're getting up to the line a lot more quickly. They would get up to the line, they'd be lined up. They'd have absolutely no ability to um, make any audibles or make any protection adjustments because the play clock would be at like three seconds by the time they actually got lined up. That's not a problem this year. And that helps in those situations as well. Um, So yeah, there have been a lot of like marked improvements and if your definition of clutch is more dependent on, like, when the lights get bright, then this last game, I think, was a
1: really good proof of concept. And overcoming off-schedule situations, too, on that drive. First and 15, second and 14, third yeah. and five, third and eight, and then third and goal at the one where Kirk opts into a sneak. He had the option, going to the line of scrimmage, and then he decides to sneak it himself based on the look, which is interesting. Um, but Kirk is is a little bit becoming Jimmy garoppolo Um, He's not a gigantic oh, box no. score right now. He is, and it's in the best way possible. That's a compliment. Jimmy okay. Garoppolo <laughs> okay. is a terrible box score. <laughs> he occasionally throws a bad pick. Kirk's been doing that a little bit. Did it yesterday. Did it last week. But Jimmy Garoppolo comes through in the clutch and Kirk Cousins is doing that 10 of his last 19 victories produced by a game winning drive. And that is giving him no credit for Ravens game last year, Bengals game last year, Cardinals game last year at the lions last year, where I think we can all agree that he did his part in those efforts. And then either the defense collapsed or they would lose in overtime. Um, So I think there's a lot to like about that. Luke Inman, um, going forward, is it sustainable for the Vikings to win all these close games, or is this eventually going to catch up to the Vikings, having to come down to the wire every week?
0: I think it's pretty unrealistic to expect them to continue to win these close games. But I think just when I look at the offense and how they're gradually... Uh, improving week by week. I think what stuck out to me the most that should give fans a lot of optimism was the pre-snap adjustments by Kirk. It felt like over half those plays when he got up to the line, he called audible, Hard counts, the checks, the no-huddle, up-tempo offense to keep the Bears from subbing in and out. That's what I was most impressed about because remember, under eight years of Zim, there was a real internal battle of who had control of the offense. And like, how much did we talk about when they hired KOC that in this league, It's like the marriage and relationship between the head coach and the quarterback needs to be a healthy one. It's got to be a good one. And versus the Bears between KOC's play calls, which I thought were maybe the best we've seen thus far through five games, combined with just Kirk's command of the huddle and leadership to adjust the plays when he saw fit. That was the A topic offensively. And I think, again, what should give fans a lot of optimism that, no, they might not continue to win all these close games, but offensively, at least, and I know we'll get to the defense here in a minute, offensively, I think you're seeing steady improvement week by week.
1: Yeah, there's going to be gripes that the Vikings let the Bears back into that game. Um, But if you look at the drive-by-drive, the Vikings do miss two field goals there. If they hit those field goals, then they would have scored on six out of eight drives. They would have had one punt in the game. I think their Kirk interception is probably the one play or the one ending to a drive that really bothers you. Um, But for the most part, you did everything you wanted to do. You got Justin Jefferson involved. You got third down conversions at 80% and red zone conversions at 100%. So the things that we have griped about this year all came to fruition yesterday. It still felt like there was a little left on the table, but aside from a couple missteps here and there, which are are going to happen over the course of a full game, it did feel like the most complete offensive performance to me at least.
2: Well, We have to remember the missed field goals are both 50-plus yarders, right? They mm-hmm. probably – and one of them was blocked, right? But they they probably don't uh, become missed field goals if they're closer, and I think that's true of the blocked one as well. But that's a two-minute
1: right? drill, though. I mean, were they going to get
2: much farther on that drive? Uh, was the two-minute drill the 15-yard drive? No, it was the 40-yard drive.
3: No, but I mean – Cousins close to the sideline, maybe.
2: Yeah, if we're talking about how clutch Kirk Cousins is – then why are we saying, ah, but that was just a two-minute drill. Like, I I think that we should uh, at least uh, hold the offense to the standard that, you know, 50-yard field goal attempts are not uh, the goal or not the mark of a successful drive and are just bonuses if you make them. I think that we should not consider those to be goals that are met, especially because there was a 15-yard drive from inside Chicago's territory. So um, I, I think that letting the Chicago Bears back into the game um, was primarily a defensive issue i don't want to like shy away from that but um you know the offense you know needs to to keep their neck on the throat or keep their keep their foot on the throat uh and uh and, and make sure that they continue to score points and, and keep chicago out of it. And you know missed field goals are unfortunate, but if if we're talking about a missed 42 yard field goal, yeah, I'm on your side. I'm saying you know the offense did mostly what it could, and sometimes you can't win every rep in the red zone and all that. But a missed like 51, 54 yard field goal, that's on the offense for setting up a field goal that that's you know relatively difficult to get. Um, so yeah, in, in some sense, there is you know maybe 20, 25 percent of the blame on allowing Chicago back in based off of you know not being able to string together consecutive scoring drives um but i i don't want to like say hey nah, they just missed some field goals not all field goals are the same
3: i do think the offense like we it just needs to be acknowledged the offense probably had its best game of the year and yeah. on only eight possessions even with the missed field goals counting as failed drives that's still a, 29 points and eight possessions is still a really good output um and Like, you're going to go into the... Like, if you're in the Vikings, you're going to go into the room. And, of course, they're going to look at ways that they could have improved. How could we have gotten closer? How could we have, you know, not ended up in third and 10, which is how that drive stalled. Um, But, like, I think they deserve to pat themselves on the back for their entire day, like, as a whole. Starting out as hot as they did, and then that 17-play drive at the end. Getting the two-point conversion at the end as well. 29 points. That's awesome. Um, The defense... Needs to do soul searching. They they need to do ayahuasca in the desert because that like that's a, they're a, a problem. And letting the Bears back into that game to me, it's it's like 10 on the defense. It's that was awful.
1: Yeah. Well, they they actually stopped a decent Bears rushing attack to the point where the Bears threw the ball. And if you're a Vikings fan, you're saying that's great. That's exactly what we wanted to do. Make Justin Fields throw. Well, Justin Fields then, looked a little, a little Kyler Murray-ish in the second half with his escapability, with some of those throws downfield. Darnell Mooney goes OBJ on the bit. Um, Luke Inman, the, the defensive effort in the second half, it, it all kind of seems to end at the same point. They've given up 24, 24, 25, 22. But it always feels like they played worse than that. In the second half, uh, once again, they bend, 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 don't totally break. And that just seems to be who they are right now.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, one hand, you've got people saying, well, they haven't allowed more than 25 points in a single game yet this season. So that's something, but seems like you're reaching a little bit, right? Because they just, once again, look lackluster, a little underwhelming. Reggie and I in Superior Sports Talk have dubbed them Gumby defense, soft and bendy. 22 points against the Bears isn't great, but the more you dissect <laughs> wow. it, 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 it looks actually worse. And I think, um, I think it was yeah, I love it. Uh, uh, Luke tweeted out yesterday, only eight drives for the Bears. They scored on five of them. And they only stopped the Bears once, and that was in the second half. So I think the A topic, yeah, going into this week, Sam, is going to be, yes, Vikes are 4-1, and one, top of the division. That's great. But they haven't won a game convincingly, and the defense just really feels like a major work in progress that I don't think a lot of people should be confident they can hold up against a playoff caliber team, much like that only real litmus test against Philly that we saw, and they just absolutely got dismantled. And we'll get into it, I'm sure, this week about Ed Donatel, the scheme, the play calls, the personnel, but... Um, I know we're all kind of griping on him, kind of cherry-picking that third and long, one of the worst offensive lines in the league, and you're dropping back guys like Daniil Hunter and, and uh, Wanham and even Z'Darrius Smith at times in coverage. Cole Komet beats you um, for a big gain for a first down. So it's the little things that are frustrating. Good news is I still think it's correctable, but again, this is on Ed Donatell. How quickly can he do that? I'm just not sure. Through five weeks, we just haven't seen much improvement at all.
1: Luke Braun. You've ranted about this on the postcast already, dropping Daniil Hunter in coverage. But I think the bigger issue here is the Dani- the Daniil Hunter disappearance. And I said this two weeks ago. I said, hey, Arif, where's Daniel Hunter? I saw a missing poster for him. And Arif said, no, he was actually pretty good. And PFF supported that. Well, through five games now, he's got 10 pressures. He is 42 of 59 in pressures. I think he's 32nd overall because he's done some good stuff in the run game. His sack yesterday was DJ Wanham-esque. I'm not going to give him tremendous credit for it. I don't want to be too down on Daniil Hunter after five games, still a small sample size, but Ed Donatell failing, I think, to get the most out of Daniil, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, the stars that just like felt big on the field. They took up a lot of space. They were rangy. They would get to the ball. That's not happening. Right now, and Luke, I'd be curious your thoughts just on on this the stars fading. Is it age or is it something else?
3: It's I'm not going to say age for isn't Daniel Hunter like 28? <laughs> uh, no, oh, I thought Daniel right Hunter played that. well against the Bears. Um, he did. I, I thought he had a good PFF game.
1: Pff hated it. Pff's not
3: everything. uh D- Daniel Hunter will turn 28 in about 19 days. Happy birthday! Oh, nice um yeah no i thought he had a good game against the bears i I was pretty happy with that i thought he was productive enough in the run um i i thought when he did pass rush he was at least compressing the pocket or or you know making the lane the way he was supposed to um but i think yeah this is a matter of usage and i i would love to see it maybe like sis has it or something i haven't looked at it like how often daniel hunter is dropping the coverage because like 3rd and 10 and he's doing like a hook zone, that's criminal. I will never get over that. I'm going to complain. I'm going to be so annoying about that. That's disgusting. like
2: seven coverage snaps this season. It's not that much.
3: Okay. Then that was just a really bad time to bust that out. He's just got to tell like out thinking himself. <laughs> it's, um, it's much more times. Criminal. It's Okay. It's more Zedaria Smith, which I also so disagree what, with. Um, but so, like – yeah, Why is you, it Aria Smith a, getting uh, pressure,
1: though, and Daniil Hunter's not? Like, is no one putting this on Daniil, that Daniil might actually be struggling? Well, okay, I, I, don't I, I don't know. know. I will just real quick
3: look at the tape. We all have an answer. Ah. I would not be surprised to see the Bears treat it the same way the Saints treated it. The Saints uh, gave him so- a lot of chips and a lot of attention. I wouldn't be surprised. to see I just
0: you. I, I, just want to throw this out there and and, and uh, see how you guys feel, because Donatel was asked this last week, and he said, listen, right. um, this is normal for guys going from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And again, oh, yeah. this is all he's ever known in his Zimmer. The first month, maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks, this is normal. This is what it looks like. Somebody replied to that presser um, from the Vikings account and said, hey, I did some digging. Jason Taylor, when they Miami went from a 3-4 to a 4-3, his first month, uh, very similar. And then he still ended up with something like 14, 15 sacks. So I, I'm not comparing apples to apples, but I am saying this is what Donatel said. This is what it was supposed to look like. What do you guys think about that?
2: Uh, so I think of uh, that's a two-point stance too, right? It. I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, there, there's there's mm-hmm. a couple of, of nuances there. So first I'll, I'll say, I actually do think Hunter has had three good games this year out of five. Uh, against Green Bay, against the Saints, and uh, the Detroit game where or pff backed me up i actually don't think the bears game was bad i just don't think it was very good um and the expectation is that he's very good right uh and so that's kind of the context of the discussion we're having i think that he is a much better player than um, a lot of players available even given this level of performance but i think the thing with the switch to the three four the four three this is something that we underplayed when it came to unique Ngakwe coming to the vikings uh, switching from a you know, three, four, two, four, three, and then having them stand up a little bit to be a little bit comfortable. Um, it's something that I think is, it's easy to, to uh, over or under discuss. I think it's very difficult to kind of get a good sense of how much it matters. Um, and it'd be kind of interesting to kind of take a look at historically what that looks like. But um, there are two elements here. One uh, Luke identified in his thread, which was, um, you know, the discussion about kind of what his responsibilities are on a particular play and having to read uh from from his position from a two point stance you know having his eyes up and and what he needs to do with his eyes and then for me i think more importantly it's, it's which lead leg he's rushing with and how that changes um, his entire pass rush approach. Uh, one reason that Michael Parsons, for example, is such a good edge rusher is that he actually rushes with a different lead leg than most four three defensive ends, and um, offensive tackles are really unused to how this changes the timing. And so he's been able to get, you know, uh, pretty far upfield while uh, offensive tackles are still trying to figure out kind of what he's going to do with his hands. Now, the inverse is kind of true for Hunter, whereas he's rushing up the field. The 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 synchronicity between his hands and his legs uh, and his footwork um, isn't quite there yet, and he needs to figure out what he wants to do as a pass rusher in order to uh, be effective. Right now, you take a look at his explosion off the line. It's not quite what it usually is, and I think part of that is not his pure athleticism. In fact, I thought he looked all right from that perspective in camp, but rather – um, how to integrate that into his overall pass rush approach? So um, I do think that this will be fixed, you know, uh, as as we continue further down the season. I would like a more systematic review of what it looks like when edge rushers switch from a three four to a four three, or rather a three point stance to a two point stance uh, more often. But I, I do think that that all of these like play a role in in the level of play we're seeing from it.
3: And, and one Could thing Daniel Hunter has always had throughout his whole career is the ability to learn new stuff. It's never instant, that's but true. he has taken mm-hmm. on a lot of new stuff over his career. Um, yeah, I, I think just not exploding off the line out of that two-point stance is the only other thing, but it's kind of a confluence, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's also probably overplayed. I wouldn't. I, I think calling it a disappearing act is unfair.
1: Um, and maybe that's a harsh character, characterization by me. There's a lot of questions I would like to ask Mike Zimmer One of them, a little ways down the list, is he always teased a couple things that Daniil Hunter could do better without really saying what they were. He said numerous occasions over the course of several years, if he did a couple things different, he could be really special, but he never really detailed what those were. I'd like to know what they were. I'd like to know what Mike Zimmer felt like Daniil Hunter struggled at, right? Because it's kind of hard to see with the Naked Eye. Uh, Before we continue, talking about Vikings Bears, we're going to get into the four-minute drill, talk a little Unsung Heroes, and then Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears joins us. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, in-depth articles, and plenty more at BetOnline.net. Looking ahead to Vikings Dolphins. It's Vikings favored by a field goal against the quarterbackless Dolphins in that game. Is Tua going to play? That's going to be the storyline we're watching all week. And you can track that line day-by-day day at betonline.net, your continued source for all sports wagering info, MLB playoffs, NBA and NHL regular seasons coming up. Resources there for you to track your team's spreads and over-unders. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts, and... Folks, make sure to like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Leave a comment. What's up with Daniil Hunter? Is everything all right? Or is it a disappearing act or is it just Ed Donatel's fault? Leave us a comment on YouTube. It helps other people discover the show. How about some unsung heroes before we get to Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears? It's going to be our four-minute drill for the day. I want you to give one minute on your unsung hero from yesterday's game. Let's run the animation. Let's mix it up. Let's start with Arif for this one. Arif, your unsung hero from Vikings and Bears. One minute going on the clock.
2: Yeah. um, I'm going to go with the obvious most unobvious player, which is the player with the highest BFF grade On offense, my initial eye confirmed this, so I'm going to be comfortable going with this. It's Ezra Cleveland left guard. Now, I do think that Christian Derisaw was a better player who had a better game, who ended up with a worse grade, but everyone loves Derrissaw. Everyone's talking about how good Derrissaw is playing. Ezra Cleveland did, a, I think, a remarkable job uh, in terms of not just uh, you know pass protection, didn't give up any pressure that was more at uh, Ingram's bag, but rather uh, his ability to uh, get in on reach blocks, some of the most difficult blocks in the game, the ability to reach across multiple gaps, seal off a nose tackle, and set up a run for Dalvin Cook or occasionally a cur- cousin Cousins scramble, uh, and you know create new space in the running game that often we haven't been seeing at all this year. I think that that ability plus his pass protection ability really enabled the Vikings to put some points in the board and really helped especially in the two-minute drill uh, set up the game-winning drive
1: left a couple seconds on the table there reef that's okay luke Braun. You can steal him <laughs> and you know what sam
3: will i'm gonna go with irv smith <laughs> uh irv smith hasn't gotten a ton of press and he got a ton of hate after that drop against philly and then another failed completion against detroit Um, How about that hands catch on a first and 15 on that final drive and converting one of those third downs? Key block on duo on one of the touchdowns, one of the Dalvin Cook touchdowns. Um, Just a really good game in a lot of different areas. For a player we were concerned about a couple weeks ago, I thought that was a big moment for him. Even though it's not going to be the most visible, he's not the one showing up on the stat sheet as much, even though, I mean, he did for those couple of catches. Um, A a big moment for him when not that long ago we were – Arguing over whether or not Johnny Munt was better. Sam, you can take my the rest of my time.
1: Well, I'll just tack on to Irv Smith. I don't know if you said this. <laughs> huge block on the Jalen Rager touchdown. Like Jalen Rager sure. oh, that might be the dead one. dead to rights. About. Roquan Smith set a really strong edge, but then didn't touch him. And he had a cutback lane because of an Irv Smith block. So I like that one. I was also going to go with the sort of tertiary offensive lineman, not named Christian Derrissaw, who's just mauling people right now. I mean, Robert Quinn, poor guy. Incredible. Um, Incredible. We'll have to ask ask Lauren Cox about that. But I was going to go with Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury is the number 10 center in football right now. He is the number six pass-blocking center in football, perhaps even more remarkably. He had a pass-blocking grade over 80 yesterday, and – Just in general, this offensive line is balling right now on PFF. Derrissan, number two tackle. O'Neal, number 13 tackle. Bradbury, number 10 center. Cleveland, number 11 guard. Uh, Ed Ingram would be the supposed weak link, but even he isn't playing down to the level of an Udo or a Dozier from years past. So that's a pretty wild improvement, and the Vikings only allowed six pressures on the hole yesterday. And when you don't have Akeem Hicks bearing down on you, uh life's good if you're Garrett Bradbury. So Bradbury is my unsung hero from yesterday. Luke Inman, how about you?
0: Is there anybody left? Cam Dansler, eight tackles, shut down that huge two-point conversion late in the unsung game. And then of course, hero,
2: Cam Dansler? I don't know about that.
0: Hold on. Hold your horses there, bud. Buckle up. Okay. And then of course, game winner seals it. Strip on ISM. Um, but I'm going to go with KOC. Um, I thought the play calling was just hey, a master class. Go. And the best we've seen through five games, again, the pre-snap motion, I don't know what the percentage was, but – It felt like it was nearly 50, 60% of those plays. Someone was moving around before the snap. Jefferson motioning to the backfield twice, soaking up a lot of attention for other guys to get open. A few trick plays in there, the JJ to cook lateral for a big gain. I, I just thought he was firing on all cylinders yesterday. 12 of 13 from third down, like we mentioned. Critical moments of the game. Great balance between the run and the pass. Four first down runs on first down for Dalvin. Three of them in the second half. Great job with new run designs yesterday compared to the first four weeks that we were griping about. And look at the time of possession. 37 to 23 minutes uh, uh, time disparity. So I just thought KOC, best offensive performance of this season thus far. So he's my unsung hero.
1: We've got our guest of honor in the waiting room. It's Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears who joins us now. Lauren, I'm going to tell you something hilarious, and welcome to the show, by the way. <laughs> Vikings fans were upset when Amir Smith-Marset got waived. They were actually mad
4: about it. Can you believe that? It's me. Bear, I'm Vikings Bear fans. Smith, we're excited about a smith, smith, Amir smith Marsett when he joined the team, too. And, uh, yeah, things <laughs> change quickly in this league, don't they? Yeah, yeah how is Bears Twitter all this? Minds. It's, it's a little meltdowny, you know, There, the pitchforks and torches are fully out, uh, you know, especially for a player like this, that hasn't contributed much at all because it's a slow process of building up, but like you, you can't make not only the fumble at the end of the game, but also flagged on the illegal contact or the illegal block in the back penalty on Justin Fields, 52 yard touchdown run that you rewatch that play. And I think it was Cameron Dantzler too that one who throws some hands up and mm-hmm. falls down in a pretty good performance job there. Uh, and getting his Oscar out there early for not uh, not the most difficult block I've seen uh, in my days. So it's a tough one. But Justin Fields came out of the game, right, and said, like, hey, we still think he's a good guy. We got we to gotta back him and we got to support him too. So I don't think there's going to be any sort of overreactions from the team at least.
1: What are the expectations for this Bears team? And then we'll, we'll go around the horn after this. We'll all get a question in. But I, I want to know what fans were realistically, I guess, hoping from this team this year and when they do lose these tight games is there a faction of the fan base that says well this is who we are this is a rebuilding team
4: yeah I think for the most part there's a realism about this not being a great Bears team like I think the fan base is always going to be hopeful for uh, somehow sneaking into the playoffs as as a bottom of a wild card team but I don't think there are too many people that were like super realistically hoping that that was like going to be the case like that's the expectation like no one wants to admit that the expectation is you know at best 500 but likely sub 500 and and almost certainly not a playoff team and so it does make these losses like a bigger picture not that difficult and not that heartbreaking but the bears have been a team every game this season that has them right in the mix in the fourth quarter and a lot of these end up being know, one possession games when it's all said and done so it's like you go in this game thinking oh the bears aren't going to win like no they're seven point underdogs no big deal like we're not we're not totally surprised when they're down 21 to three but then when you take the lead in the fourth quarter you get your hopes back up again and the fan base is like oh maybe you could win this game and then you know if you could beat the vikings like this and you could beat you know other teams like this that maybe you could become a playoff team and then of course the result kind of leaves you back where you started where you're like, okay, yeah, never mind. Like that's this is about where expectations actually were at the beginning, but you still allow yourself to get your hopes up each and every time.
0: Hey, Lauren, we hear, you know, the national pundits, the noise about Bears fans frustrations I, and I get it. But talking to an expert like yourself, like what was your thoughts going all the way back to the Ryan Poles hiring, the Matt Eberflus hiring and then the idea just to blow the whole thing up, no one all right, you're likely going to hinder the development of this young quarterback you've invested uh, and mortgaged a lot of your future into. Did you support that decision? Did you think it was the right move given the cap situation, et cetera? And I know it's early, but do you think it's on the right path? Like, do you see the vision knowing you've got a two, three-year window now?
4: You can definitely see the vision and whether that means they handled it Perfectly up to this point, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite there. I think, I think there's a middle ground here, right? Everyone's quick to say, holy crap, they did nothing around Justin Fields. What are they doing? Like, how did they, how did they do so little to help their quarterback? And I, and I think it's a little bit more gray than, than that. It's not quite as black and white to that, where there were significant seller cap challenges, like you mentioned, like they did not have enough money to properly build around Justin Fields and field anything even close to a real nfl defense like you saw how much the defense struggled in this game and that was with the investments that they did try and make on that side of the ball so if they had taken even less defensive money to build a little bit more around justin fields the defense would have been even more miserable than what we saw on the field in that first half right so they they had some very real challenges to actually field a full like 44 22 starting players on this team that can be considered nfl starters and even in that category they probably only have 18 to 20 guys that are really NFL starters on this team. There was just so many holes to fill. And so, like, yes, I think you could find a few million dollars here and there to have, you know, sign another offensive lineman or sign another wide receiver. But, like, to some extent, the receivers, they signed Byron Pringles on injured reserve. Nikhil Harry is about to come off of injured reserve. But, like, those guys are hurt, and their offensive line signings haven't panned out that they they signed Riley Reef and Michael Schofield at the tackle and guard spots. They both lost to younger players that were already on the roster in competition. So, like, there was – there were efforts to improve this team and, and make it a truly kind of open competition spot. And some of the guys haven't been available. Some of the guys haven't been as good as advertised. And you're always going to have those kinds of swings and misses, whether they had tried to do more of those positions or not. It's no guarantee that more additions would have been more, you know, competent in that regard. And so you could point to like the draft picks or whatever being on defense. And yeah, there's always sort of wiggle room here and there. But overall, I don't, I don't hate the way they did about it. They went about it because there was so much work to do. But obviously, it doesn't feel as good on paper when it's not as clear of an emphasis on the quarterback.
0: Mm-hmm. I,
3: well, I have so... something that follows up on that, I guess, because if you're going to have a roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that's that depleted. No Jalen Johnson in this game, worth mentioning. Um, why are you coming out in single high? You're, you're <laughs> like manning up on Justin Jefferson with like Kendall Vildor. Is that <laughs> what? What does Iberflus do? <laughs>
4: Like, Kendall huh? Builder is having a, a much better season this year than last. year, I'll, I'll say that, but no, that's that was like one of my big head scratchers coming out of this game. It's like the Bears go into every matchup, it seems like, and just come out with their most like vanilla defense. They're saying like, all right, we're just going to play our base coverages and not really mix Did things up. For things. Well, that's what I'm saying. Did it's like it's just a Jefferson unsurprising, and it's like every game they come uh, into that half. That sounds time, really familiar. Okay right but like but like each game they come in the halftime and figure out okay here's what they're doing to us let's switch it up and they've been a really strong second half defense the, the touchdown to the vikings oh this that sounds really familiar time. oh my gosh it was the best was the first <laughs> touchdown the Bears have allowed in the second half this season so like they you know, they've wow. been really good at making those halftime adjustments but it, it boggles the mind as to why it takes until halftime for them to figure out the vikings are going to throw to justin jefferson seven times in the first half or whatever it was like None of that was unexpected, and I don't know why they, they just weren't more, like, proactive on that instead of reactive. I really don't know what their what their plan was there.
2: So uh, I, I want to go back to the, this quarterback question, kind of a, a bigger, more maybe more philosophical question that doesn't necessarily have to do with fields, although please relate it to fields and do my work for me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, at what point do you end up, uh, you know, making a decision um, – on fields right because uh you know traditionally speaking after about two years you kind of have a good idea of who the quarterback is but we've got um pretty good uh, evidence on both sides on both extremes that that's not always the case josh allen you needed to wait until year three josh rosen you needed to wait until never you could have just gotten rid of him i guess right away <laughs> which is so so um you know with justin fields you know he's had a, a not a, an extraordinary number of starts under his belt Um, He might be uh, traumatized in the way that we talk about, like, David Carr getting sacked 72 times. Uh, He might be broken forever. um, And maybe if he had potential, he might never reach it. I don't know. But, like, when when do you make that choice? I know it's individualized to quarterbacks, but just kind of generally speaking, how do you approach that philosophically speaking?
4: Yeah, I think functionally the Bears are sort of tied into making that decision more or less this offseason because presumably they're going to lose – a decent number of games this season and that's going to leave them drafting at a minimum in the top 10 and potentially in the top five and so that's your time to make a quarterback change if you're going to right you're, whether it's bryce young or heaven forbid if they go ohio state quarterbacks back to back at cj stroud or something like that like it oh that would yes be, yeah wow like, <laughs> oh. like that's the decision point right when you're picking the, maybe the top five you're either taking your quarterback of the future or you're investing a really high draft pick in building around Justin Fields with the idea that you won't be picking that high again in the future because of what you're building around the quarterback. So I think functionally, that's where the decision will need to be made. Now, to me, it might be a little bit early to have to make that decision on Justin Fields. Ideally, you'd like that third year. Because to me, like you look around at the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, like we saw Tua Tungavailoa pre-injury now, like taking that step forward when they put really good receivers around him. And he's had some time now to sort of develop in the NFL we're seeing Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia right like they added some receivers around him he's had a couple of years now to sort of build up his his experience and it feels like you need this combination of time and supporting cast that Justin Fields has not had certainly enough of either at this point I don't know that two seasons or will really be like 27 starts if he plays this whole season and then a, a terrible supporting cast for two years like that doesn't feel like it's been enough to really fully evaluate Fields. So then, you know, can you go into this draft and definitively say, no, we need to draft another quarterback because Fields is for sure bad? Probably not. But do you go into this and saying, yes, Fields is for sure our franchise quarterback who's going to be a difference maker that could put this team over the top and go to the Super Bowl someday? I don't know that we'll have an answer to that either. So it becomes a very difficult spot for Ryan Poles to be in. And and I can't help but wonder, you know, does a new GM who didn't draft Justin Fields... I have to think the temptation would be there to take a quarterback and get your guy at quarterback, but I think they they really will be hyper-analyzing everything we see for the rest of the season and what kind of progress he can make in a not ideal situation.
1: So speaking of supporting cast, Lauren, who are some bears on this roster that you see down the road being building blocks? Like 2025 comes around.
4: Name five are some bears. That's
3: I thought you were going after yeah.
4: there. Yeah. Can you name any players on this team? Yeah, so like. That's...
0: <laughs> They're, they were all that's on the Vikings tough. at one point, I think. Just put yeah, two right. names together. Any names. Go ahead. Uh, Jalen, last name. Something There's goes. a lot of Jalen's
4: and a lot of Joneses yeah. separately on this team. Yeah. 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 No. So, I mean, isn't that the problem though? Like 2025 players, it's, it's Justin Fields, it's Darnell Mooney and maybe Khalil Herbert, but by 2025, if he's off his rookie contract, will you pay him a second contract? Like probably not. So then, I mean, maybe, maybe Tevin Jenkins, he's been kind of the bright spot on the offensive line a second round pick last season who was almost traded this off season and seemed to sort of figure out what they wanted from him. You know, their left tackles, a rookie fifth round pick he's got, he's got that kind of potential given that he hasn't you know, been terrible so far for a rookie fifth round pick thrown in there. And Larry Borum, their other tackle again, has that potential, but you're not like positive. He's a five-year guy. So then it's, it's like Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, maybe Roquan Smith, but maybe Roquan Smith's on his last season in Chicago. But really, I mean, that's, that's about it. Other than like, the other current later round rookies that maybe you hope become something a little more than they are it's it's a little bit barren in that regard and this season was all about signing free agents on these short one to two year deals to see if they could be value picks that could be long-term fits in this team and really so far most of the free agents that ryan Paul signed this year on those kind of one-year deals have not looked like high value players and the guys who have played well have been some of the holdovers like kindle Vildor, we mentioned really taking another step in year two it was not that ryan paul's addition so has not been a stellar free agent class in his first go around but super stellar free agent classes across the board
1: well good stuff lauren it's, it's, we're it's, all it's, waiting anxiously for thursday night bears and commanders can hardly wait to so uh, subscribe to prime
3: for that one twitter's gonna be so good
1: who who is who is the worst <laughs> field between the
4: bears and the commanders you know the bears switched to a new kind of grass at the start of this regular season and yeah, obviously, the drainage had issues against the 49ers because it was like, a, I don't want to say historic level of rainfall, but I mean, it was among the rainiest, wettest games I've seen in, in a Bears stadium up to this point. So, but like, other than that, it, it has been slightly better this season. The bar was the floor, I understand, but like, it, it's, all, it's all play to get that new stadium in Arlington Heights before too long. That's true.
1: Genius. Next level thinking. Lauren, you do good work. <laughs> locked on bears uh we appreciate you appearing the day after a loss and uh and talking it through
4: with us have a great rest of your day all right appreciate it i appreciate you guys putting up with the reef for as much as you do so thank you <laughs> we see you lord get out of here get him out teeth. get
1: him out of here get rid of this child Hi, Lauren. all right let's bring him back on let's bring him back on let's, let's get him in here uh hey, oh he's still there what <laughs> else can we say about a reef You'll never have a beard like this, I just want
3: to let you
0: know, you'll never have a beard like this. I'm getting there, I'm getting there someday. No, it's a a struggle every day for for you.
1: (laughs) Oh, shots fired. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm, I'm not not 20, I
2: understand. I'm not 20, it's it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be real cool when you get your first drink, bud, I'll be there.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I have plenty of gray hairs along the way, it's okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, thanks lauren
4: of course
1: uh, um wow where do we go from there make sure to subscribe to locked on sports minnesota wherever you get your podcasts it's all free it's all available and do it on youtube as well free and available there it's all of our shows but with video you get to see when lauren strokes his brilliant mane of hair and you see Arif's lack of it You can't get that on audio. You can only get that on YouTube. (laughs) Oh, uh, special teams yesterday. Are we out on Matt Daniels? Is it over? Is the honeymoon phase (laughs) over? Ryan Wright, 15-yard punt. Two penalties on punt coverage. Two missed field goals. Um, Shall I continue? What is going on? I'm not really that concerned. Some people miss uh, my sarcasm. kickoff coverage, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Dan Chicena's. Yeah. Dan Chisena. They love Dan Chisena, Like everyone in their we aunt was congratulating him for a tackle. They're like, Wow, your first time tackling a guy on the first try. You didn't run by <laughs> him. You didn't slide ten <laughs> yards by the guy. You wrapped him up right away. Good for you, hey, man. Babe, if you you uh you tried something for
2: three
3: years, you're likable enough, you finally do it, people congratulate you. He's I feel like it's foot. a lot of new people this week. Like Ty Chandler, before he got hurt, was in. Mm -hmm. Um, Miles Dorn was in for the first time this year, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of people because of injuries and stuff, so they were dealing with um, a a few new configurations, I would imagine, that had something to do with
1: the problems. Kind of a bizarre trend right now. Lewis, Seen, Andrew Booth, Ty Chandler, and Caleb Evans all out with special teams-related injuries. And I know that that's always been a thing. Like, special teams' plays are dangerous. Uh, Lewis C example A. But the rookie class is getting decimated right now by special teams, and you hope that doesn't kind of ruin their mojo because they had such a good thing going. But it all kind of went wrong yesterday and was almost the difference in that game. That's probably a gigantic story if they don't win that game is what went wrong with Matt Daniels' crew. We got a few. Is there any left early on the word
0: on those injuries, either, by the way? Caleb he, Evans or Ty Chandler?
1: I think they're well, both Caleb is just I mean, a concussion,
2: right? Oh, okay. Just mm-hmm. a concussion. A reef. But as in just a concussion, I obviously mean that he's not going to be out for like multiple weeks. Right. Right.
1: right. Probably misses a game, though. And mm-hmm. um, it sounds like Chandler might be out a bit with a hand. So Booth may be on the verge of returning, but that's taken longer than it should have already. And then seen out for the year. So the Vikings and now you got the buy in in week seven. Do
0: they just keep Booth out one more week, anyways? Now at this point, that'll be interesting. But now with the Caleb Evans out, who knows? I don't
1: know. I'm a little worried that Booth has that kind of made of glass tendency where it's just going to keep popping up. I would give him time. I would give him time, Luke. You don't want to give him time. You love Andrew Booth. You want to see Booth, anyway. Hey, right by I mean, the
0: way, you know, I obviously, you guys make fun of me. I always bring up Andrew Booth and Brian Asamoah, at least on the Spirit Sports. Did you see Brian Asamoah out there for a good, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 snaps, especially on third down playing that quarterback spy? Yeah, I like it. I'm that all about that. I'm not necessarily going he excelled. I'm not going to say he excelled, but uh, he was out there. Baby steps, guys.
3: Luke, Hicks. I don't, don't know the Ken answer. Is this a sub I thing? don't,
1: I don't know who he cut into. Sullivan? Was it Sullivan? Uh, maybe, maybe, the, Vikings playing, yeah,
4: maybe
2: sub- the Vikings were playing. Yeah, maybe the Vikings were playing three-three-five. Maybe they uh, that maybe they down definitely
0: was a possibility. I, I, I think I saw him out for Jordan Hicks a few times there too. But um, that'll be interesting to go back and watch the film. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure exactly.
1: Uh, I think we haven't given Justin Jefferson enough coverage today. The Bears didn't give him enough coverage yesterday. 12 catches, 154 yards, did not have a touchdown. That got vultured by Dalvin Cook, and he had a wonderful throw. That had to have been a 40-yard throw all the way across the field in on Dalvin Cook for 23 yards. Um, Justin Jefferson yesterday, the Bears kind of dropped the ball in the first half, but your thoughts on the way the Vikings got him open, Arif? Uh, I mean, I, I think that the
2: Vikings did not do anything particularly special to get him open. I think this was just a failure on the Bears' part, although we should remember that when the Eagles and the Lions were able to, you know, quote-unquote, shut down Justin Jefferson, it was a combination of things, one of which was having an elite corner be part of the double team, right? Uh, And so uh, having a Darius Slay a Jeff Okuda mm-hmm. along with a safety on top was a big part of it. Uh, the Bears do not quite have a Darius Slay, especially with Jalen, uh, Johnson, not Jalen Jones, Jalen Johnson injured. So um I, I don't think the Vikings went out of their way to to do anything particularly special to get Justin Jefferson open. We didn't see uh him motion more than he usually does. We didn't see him in the backfield a ton. We didn't see him set in the slot to get him clear of releases. They just said, hey, you love running over routes? Let's get you some over routes. and and he was open right and and the bears the bears didn't run like a a cover six the four to the weak side so they could have the safety nail the override or anything interesting like that they were just like yeah uh we're we're single high we trust kindle vildor with our lives evidently um and um and let's
0: let's ride (laughs) (laughs)
4: let's ride
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, the, uh, speaking I say of that they point, came out- uh, the Dolphins may not have Xavier Howard next week either. He was out versus the Jets oh. yesterday with a groin injury. So that's interesting to oh, just no. kind of keep tabs on for that, too. Speaking of that,
1: not to get too far away from Jefferson, but if Tua plays, what would you guess the line will be? Currently, Vikings minus three. I would guess it's a, like a six-point swing. Yeah, if two plays, more. yeah.
0: I would say, yeah, yeah I would more. say Miami by three, Miami by two, something yeah. like that.
2: Yeah. For
1: sure.
0: Miami
2: three and two. I will say. Yeah, with, with Teddy and Skyler Thompson yes. as one of the losses. Yeah.
1: Okay.
3: Okay. I will say they came out with a lot of tempo in those first three drives, those first three scoring drives. Um, I, I don't, don't even know. Like, they did Yes. And to get Kirk Cousins to the line with like 18 seconds left on the play clock so that he can can plays, adjust protections, adjust things in the middle. Um, Who knows how much of that pre-snap stuff, the broadcast talked about it a lot, but who knows how much of that was nonsense. Sometimes it's just playing charades. But I have a feeling a lot of it was getting to the line, adjusting things, dialing things up. And I think just getting to the line and seeing, oh, my God, they're in single high is that a one-on-one look with Justin Jefferson? Okay. Let's change to a rollout because a lot of those cans turned into play action plays. I have a feeling that that's those were stapled to runs, but I'm just guessing. Um, but that my, my guess, and they'll never tell you, but my guess would be Kirk Cousins seeing single high one-on-one with Jalen Jones versus Justin Jefferson and going, let's check out of this run. um, And that's credit to both O'Connell for having all those options available and having that game plan and also Kirk Cousins for executing it properly and just getting Justin Jefferson into a place where he can do what he does. I feel like he's gotten to the point where crediting him is boring because it's like, well, yeah, I just did what Justin Jefferson always does. Like the expectation is for him to destroy
1: everyone. Yep, he did that again. Okay. Three out of five games, Justin Jefferson with a massive imprint on the football game. I think the rumors of his demise were greatly exaggerated after week three. So and he's on we, pace
0: now to lead the NFL in receiving yeah, yards. Is that right? Something like over 18. i currently years. leading the leading.
1: NFL. Yeah. Jamar Chase is Despite getting shut down, down in hole. Cincinnati, too. So big, we big can't gamble, Big impact on guys. those other
3: two games as well. Just not his own yeah. production.
1: Yeah. We, mm-hmm. we, we are really bad at gambling. Horrible. Oh, no. One and seven as a group yesterday. Now, the only person who got one right was Luke Braun. And that means Luke Braun treads water, and he easily takes the lead. Um, Arif loses 650. I lose 280. (laughs) Luke loses 400. Now, Arif, you're in the negative, and we established Mm -hmm. that there would be a punishment for that. So between now and Thursday, the Lukes and me will put our heads together we will come up with your punishment and it's like jeopardy like you're allowed to go in the negative but you will be punished for it um so we'll have to talk about that um is there anything anything off the table Arif, that we are not allowed to do i mean cuz we're going to we're probably going to come down pretty hard on you
2: well it's going to be uh on youtube right you get one veto you get one veto what it's going to be on youtube right you
3: get one veto
2: so so it's I what, what i'm preferable. saying is it's going to meet youtube terms of service so that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a family <laughs> show.
1: <laughs> to monetize, we do need to keep it appropriate. We need to keep it PG if we want to make money off of it, Arif, which is obviously the goal is to exploit you for monetary gain. Um, right. Uh, so yes. No singing. No singing. Yeah. Okay. okay.
3: Go.
1: okay. Sounds good. Um, I only so yeah, with we'll...
3: content ID on that, anyways. <laughs>
1: Uh, with personal singing, probably not. But let's not test it. <laughs> what about what about lip syncing? Now that's that's totally different.
2: I I guess it is. I I guess I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against lip
1: syncing, but that would be lip kind of... syncing is is on the table if we choose to go that route. So we'll have our updated picks on Thursday. For this next weekend of games, Vikings currently favored by three against Miami. We'll be watching that. Let's end the show with our party fouls.
0: You know I always try to uh, snatch the easy one right out of the way. Falcons down by six, three minutes, three seconds left to play. They stop the Bucks. <clears throat> Uh Jarrett with a third down sack. And if you haven't seen it by now, you got to go watch it. But maybe the worst unnecessary roughness on the quarterback call that we've seen in quite a Quite a long time. Um, absolutely horrible. Short and sweet. I'm going to leave it at that. Go check it out if you haven't already seen it.
1: It's a good one. Um, how about the Vikings flea flicker checkdown yesterday? And it, it appeared to be a designed a design checkdown to J- to Johnny Munt, no less, for two yards. <laughs> when you've got a a flea flicker in the back of the playbook. <laughs> You want to dial it up? I mean, why not? Why not burn that play? To your best a, player. Uh, yeah. Design check down to Munt Cakes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm going to give it to Aaron Rodgers playing a hero. I think Aaron Rodgers lost the Packers that game, honestly. Uh, coming out after getting... This is this is something uh, Justice Mosqueda has pointed out a bunch. After the yep. Packers uh, take a weird momentum hit... Aaron Rodgers will come out and throw like three shot plays and go three mm-hmm. and out and punt it back. Um, and try to be the hero a lot more in a lot of those other games, try to win the whole game in at once, which is something I believe Kirk Cousins said he was actively understanding how not to do in this game or another time. Um, After yep, the Eagles game, rough he stuff said to go.
1: he was saying how he you know, needed to not get it all back at once. If that's what you're referring to.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh go to London, lose to the Giants and uh Danny Dimes. Whoops. Whoops.
2: Uh I actually, let me see, let me see what I have on my phone for this cuz I didn't prepare for this. Um oh, actually how about this? Uh Browns, they drafted a kicker. That's actually not my issue. The kicker's missed a couple of kicks this year. Uh, It really hurt me in one of the many Norse code leagues that punish you for extra points, but I'm not mad at Cade York. I am mad at the Browns, not because they drafted a kicker, although that is a bad move, but rather because they set up that kicker to fail. Their holder right now is Corey Bohorquez. He has been moved or cut from three different teams, despite being an excellent punter for being a God awful holder. The Packers Mm. have moved on from him. (laughs) The bills have moved on from him. Mm -hmm. The Panthers have moved on from him. I highly suspect that the Browns' issues with Cade York are not Cade York related but are holder related and they've already lost a couple, not just one, a couple of games Oof.
1: because of this operational error. So no one's gonna go with the uh not suitable for work Giants sideline video. Hey, that's, that the, that that party
2: follows on the person who took the video. The trainer is fine. Darnay Holmes is fine. That was a fine. it was a brilliant so,
1: video with the angle
2: and the the angle was the, perfect. I will say that the yeah. angle
1: was was perfect. And, yeah,
2: and it was I, if I'm going to be completely honest, it was it was flattering to Holmes, uh, absolutely, just in terms of what we were able to see. But you know, the, I I think that you know, <laughs> if if you've got a groin injury, you got to massage the groin. There's nothing wrong with it. This is all medical. And what's we the all deal with
0: grinds?
1: <laughs> what Do we have a, a blue chew read for this? For this part <laughs> yeah.
3: of? A <laughs> I thought uh, somebody was
0: going to go with Tyreek Hill for talking smack about not going to the Jets. And then he just gets absolutely stiff armed into the ground by <laughs> the defensive tackle on that scoop up on that uh, strip sack. But uh, that was a good one, too. You got to check that out, too.
1: A plethora of party fouls from week five in the NFL. The Vikings are four and one. Uh, that was a fun show. Luke Inman of Superior Sports Talk, of Pro Football Network, Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings and the Lockdown Vikings Postcast. Check out our work. Check us out on Twitter. Get in our mentions. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota and the Ron Johnson Show. We'll talk to Ron. We'll talk about the Dolphins game coming up this Thursday. Uh, I'm out. Luke Inman's in my chair on Thursday. I will be on a vacation with the family. So. Uh, I'll send you my picks, I promise, and uh, we'll talk about that Arif punishment. So, for Luke, Luke, Arif, I'm Sam. Thanks for watching the Minnesota Football Party.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.